0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Good day, you legends, and thanks for joining me today for a double episode of Nero Wolf. Your first episode is The Disappearing Diamond. A case most foul. Willie Inch Pon probably intended needs help. With a name like that, I can see why. He's what we call in the business a professional snake. The wise guy that knows too much, and says so little, unless cash is involved. But there has been a murder, Mrs. Florence Avery Marsh is dead. And your second episode, the final page, involves knowing too much about a murder. I mean, knowing anything about a murder is already too much, but our author is killed. Boy's creativity it seems, or perhaps much, much more. There will be Bloodshed, my listeners, and Nero Wolf and Archie are on the case. Join me, you legends, for tonight's, for all those in the Southern Hemisphere, or today's, for all those in the Upper Hemisphere, double old-time radio episode, completely remastered, just for your lovely ears. Enjoy.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell brings you mystery adventure.
2: Bureau Wolf's office.
1: Archie Goodwin speaking. Willie Inch,
3: did you say?
2: Just a second. you want to talk to a fellow named Willie Inch, which I doubt? No. He says he's got to see you. Got to. Who is he? I'll ask. Uh, Mr. Wolf doesn't recognize your name, Mr. Inch. He wants to know who you are. Uh, just a second. I'll tell him. Mr. Inch says he's a sneak thief. He says you never heard of him, but he's heard of you. Should I tell him to get lost?
3: Wait a minute, Archie. Ask him what he wants.
2: Uh, Inch... Mr. Wolf wants to know what you want to see him about. A phony murder rap. It says a phony murder rap.
3: It'd have to be, wouldn't it, Archie? How do you mean? Phony, I mean. Did you ever hear of a sneak thief committing murder if it could possibly be avoided? Yes, Archie. Tell Mr. Inch. I'll listen to his story.
2: Well, Mr. Wolfe and I talk about this little difficulty, he calls it the case of Archie Goodwin and how he got hooked. However, I call it the case of the disappearing diamonds. I prefer my title. He prefers his. Anyhow, it started with an improbable character named Willie Inch.
3: That'll be our sneak thief, Archie. Let him in.
2: Okay, boss. Okay. Inch?
4: Yeah.
3: Come in.
2: In there. I'll follow you. Mr. Wolf, this is your client.
3: Mr. Inch? Uh,
2: yeah.
3: Hmm. Tall fellow. That's be over six feet six. Sit down. Uh,
2: uh, where? Archie? Here, Mr. Inch. This ought to be comfortable.
3: Where,
4: Mr. Inch? Uh, uh, look, Mr. Wolf. They're going to claim that I killed a woman I never even touched. And I'm going to fry for something I never even done.
3: All right, Mr. Inch. How did you kill her?
4: I didn't. I didn't. I never killed nobody in my life.
3: Mr. Inch, you say you're a thief. Can you prove it? Uh, I got a record? Why? I was wondering about that bulge in your pocket. Oh.
4: Oh, here? It's uh, it's a silver cigarette lighter, ain't it? I guess it sort of dropped into my pocket as I was going by. You see? You see the way it happened? Never mind, Miss Binge. Now tell me how you didn't kill the woman for whose murder you will fry. Well, well, Mr. Wolf, sir, it was like this. There was a window half open, you see, and I happened to crawl inside the house. But hey, now. What was that? This, uh... This is just between us, ain't it? Possibly. How do you mean? Explain, Archie.
2: Mr. Wolf said possibly.
4: Oh. Well, uh, okay. So I happen to find myself in the bedroom, see? So I happen to sort of roam around, and I hear there's like a party going on. You know, people and music. So I lock the door. So go on. Let him carry
3: it his own way, Archie. Well, Miss
4: Inch? Uh, so that's the mistake I make. Mistake? Uh, maybe I, I leave my fingerprints on the door. So? Sure. So, so later, a dame gets herself knocked off in the same room, and they look for fingerprints, and they find mine. I'm it. That's all. I, I got a record. So, so the chair. I see. Pitiful case, isn't it, Archie?
2: Very, very mournful.
4: Inch, uh, Yes, sir. I presume you came away with some souvenirs? Oh, nothing. It wasn't worth the trouble. You know, just odds and ends junk.
3: Have you got a junk with you? Yeah. Let me see. Uh, here. Cigarette case, platinum. Lighter, gold. Vanity case, gold. That's that's all. Mm, positively. Junk, the man says. I promise nothing, Mister Inch, but it might be better if you tell the truth. Me? You. Oh, well. One square cut emerald
4: ring. I I just happened to find it. Here's something more. A pewter ashtray. Look, the room is dark. I can't see. Piles of coats on the beds and hats and handbags. I take what I find. Why didn't you turn on the lights? One of these big standing lamps. You know what I mean. Go on. I bump into it. And it scares the living... I mean, it scares me. Joe? I, I turn the switch. It don't
3: work.
2: Archie. That sounds like the law, boss.
3: The law. Stay right where you are, Willie. May I suggest that there is a way to find
5: out, Archie? Okay, okay. We don't want any. Good morning, Goodwin. You remember me, your old friend, Inspector Kramer? Two gentlemen with me are also with the department, Pearlie and Ostrakovich. May we come in? What do you want? We want a murderer. And we want some rocks worth 250 grand. Does that answer your question? What makes you think you'll find all those goodies here? Come in, men. We know Willie Inch is here. Where is he? Now, just a second. We're coming with you, Goodwin. Okay, Inspector, come along.
3: The law.
5: That's Willie Inch Friskin. Uh, No weapons? Okay, just put the cuffs on him.
3: Inspector Kramer.
5: Oh, yes. Hello, Wolf.
3: I want to tell you something about this man, whom you and your men have so bravely captured in my office.
5: You don't need to tell me about him, Wolf. We know about him you, indeed? Yes. We know he killed Mrs. Florence Avery March and stripped a quarter of a million worth of diamonds off her. That's all we need to know.
4: I didn't do no such a thing.
5: Where's the ice, Willie?
4: I never even seen none, honest.
5: Take him away, boys. I'll make the charge when I get back to my office. Wait. Uh, Mr. Wolf, sir. Take him.
4: Look, I ain't done nothing, I tell
3: you. Inspector Kramer.
5: Yeah. We're going to have a little talk now, aren't we?
3: If necessary. How do you mean? Explain, Argy.
5: Uh, Mr. Wolf means you're going to have a little talk if necessary. Very funny. I will now draw up a chair and show you why it's necessary. In the first place, $250,000 worth of diamonds makes it necessary.
3: Archie, if you please, a bottle of beer. Okay.
5: Will the inspector name his poison? You know I never drink on duty.
3: And just for me, Archie, please. On my way.
2: While I opened a bottle of imported beer, it occurred to me that I had something to be grateful for. At least I wasn't in Willie Inch's enormous shoes. And as I went back to the office, I had time to wonder why Mr. Wolf would stick his fat neck out for a no-good like Willie.
3: Thank you, Archie, and uh, sit down, Archie. Inspector Kramer has a theory that may amuse you.
2: Near Wolf's office.
5: It's for you, Inspector. Hello, Grayman. Yeah? A gold cigarette holder? That's all? Okay.
3: Inspector, do you realize that you have already taken a great deal of my time?
5: Archie. Yes, Inspector? The great Mr. Wolf just said I had a theory that might amuse you. Would you care to hear it? I can hardly wait. Okay. My theory is that both Wolf and you are receivers of stolen property and possibly guilty of murder conspiracy. So far, you got me in stitches. Willie <laughs> Inch, with a record as long as your arm, robs the home of Mrs. Florence Avery Marsh. He strangles her with a silk scarf, takes the diamonds she's wearing, grabs everything else that's lying around, and then what?
4: Is it a question?
5: I'll tell you what.
4: He will, too. Archie, <laughs> listen,
5: listen. Dan Inch brings the stuff here, the stuff that's piled on Wolf's desk and the diamonds. You want me to tell you where the diamonds are? They're in that safe right
3: there. Inspector Kramer, I know nothing about the diamonds. They are not in the safe and they are not in the house. Now you can take my word for it, or you can get a search warrant and make a fool of yourself. I'm going to have lunch. By two
2: o'clock, the newspapers were full of the murder of Mrs. Florence Avery March. The suspect was already in custody, caught at the home of Nero Wolfe, well-known private investigator. Some of the stolen jewelry had been recovered, but not the diamonds. Then we had a visit from Mr. Anson Stark, who had opened Mrs. March's door and found her dead. Stark was a big athletic guy of about 30 or so, with the large, capable hands of a surgeon or a laboratory worker. He seemed annoyed at the inconvenience we caused him, but... That was only natural. That's the story, Mr. Wolfe. I don't see how I can add anything more to it.
3: Uh, You had known Mrs. March for several years, huh? Mm, Casually. When you broke the door open, was it difficult? Not very. You were the first into the room?
6: There were three or four of us. We pushed in together.
3: You saw the body of Mrs. March immediately?
6: She was lying across the bed that was heaped with coats and hats and handbags.
3: You knew she was dead?
6: Of course not. In fact, somebody else discovered that she had been choked to death.
3: And who discovered that the diamonds were gone?
6: I don't know. I didn't.
3: Uh, were there many diamonds, Mr. Stark?
6: No, just a few, but big ones. She wore them on a pendant around her neck.
3: Mr. Stark, I want to thank you again for having been so patient.
6: I have been patient, Mr. Wolfe. I have my own business to attend to. Which is? Oh, I have a small but hopeful enterprise, electronics, tubes for radio and television, mostly experimental.
3: Well, that reminds me, Mr. Stark... When you entered the bedroom, was the light on or off? Uh, let me see.
6: Of course, it was on. It must have been on. Why?
3: Just curiosity, Mr. Stark.
6: Oh? Anything more?
3: That's all, except thank you for coming here. Archie, will you take Mr. Stark to the door?
2: Stark departed like a man who'd been delayed by a petty annoyance. A few minutes later, the door buzzed, and I went, expecting anything. Anything but what was standing on the threshold when I opened up. A honey blonde. Or, to put it another way, a blonde honey. I said hello. No, more like hello.
7: Are you Mr. Wolfe?
2: Uh, I'm his assistant, Archie Goodwin, and what can we do for you?
7: Well, I'm Valerie Ladd. And
2: I'm Archie Goodwin. Or did I tell you that?
7: Well, that's exactly where I came in. Well, I mean, where I thought you were going to ask me to come in.
2: Oh, come in. Come in. I'm sorry.
7: How is he? Is he here?
2: Wolf? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Does he know you? No. Is he expecting you? Uh, No. I see.
7: Of course you don't see, do you? Well, uh, this is it, Mr. Gooden. I'm a writer. I may not look like it, but that's what I am. And I want to do a a profile, a character study of Mr. Wolf for a magazine. Uh Oh. What's wrong?
2: Well, you see, there's a writer named Rex Stout.
7: Oh, I know. He's written a lot about Nero Wolfe, but can't I write about him, too?
2: I don't know if he's going to like it, but you can't be shot for trying. Come on. Mr. Wolfe, this is Valerie Ladd.
3: Pardon me for not rising, Miss Ladd. It is not impolite. It is merely impracticable.
2: Miss Ladd wants to write about you for magazines.
3: Please, Mr. Wolfe. Nonsense.
7: Mr. Wolfe, if I could just spend a few hours with you, that would be enough.
3: Would it indeed? Oh, yes. Have you written much, Miss Ladd? Oh, Reams. You know, uh, the habits of writers interest me. The habits? Yeah, the writing habits. For instance, do you use a pen or a pencil? Do you dictate, or like most writers, do you do your own typing?
7: Mr. Wolf, if you knew the hours and days and and years that I've pounded a typewriter.
3: Of course. Archie. Yes, sir? Why don't you take Miss Ladd up and show her the orchids?
2: You never know about Nero, Wolf. At least I never do. This was something I would have bet against a thousand to one. I couldn't understand it. But I certainly couldn't complain.
7: Archie, look at this one. Oh, did you ever see anything so gorgeous?
6: Very pretty. Ah,
7: They're all just beyond belief. Yeah? But you're not even looking at them, Archie. What? Oh! (laughs) Archie, are you always like
2: this? What do you mean, like this?
7: Well, so... so distant and preoccupied.
2: Honey, you got me wrong. Completely. I was thinking. Oh. Yeah, about telephone numbers. (laughs) Well...
7: A lovely thing to think about. What can you think about telephone numbers?
2: I was thinking how some girls have them and some don't.
7: Oh, I see. Archie, I apologize. For what? I did have you wrong. You're not a bit distant.
2: I can be a lot closer than this, honey. What is it? What's what? The number.
7: Oh, it's uh, it's in the book.
2: Yeah. I wonder. Hmm
7: out as if you don't believe me.
6: Oh,
2: I believe you, but uh, here's a telephone book here. Let's lick it up together, shall we?
7: Uh, Archie. Yeah. I'm afraid I lied to you.
2: I was afraid of that, too. Are you angry? Well, I can take no for an answer, honey, even when it's hard to take.
7: Archie, I've changed my mind. I want you to have my number. And I want you to use it, too.
2: You know, honey, I'm beginning to take an interest in this dialogue. Let's have it. Okay. Olympia
7: 93659.
2: And a very, very pretty number it is. Valerie Ladd. Two Ds? Mm
8: Mm-hmm.
2: Olympia 93659. Honey Blonde. Gorgeous. Oh. Spelled gorgeous. There. There. Uh, what are we doing tonight, Olympia 9?
7: And I said that you were distant and preoccupied.
2: Uh, we were talking about tonight.
7: Hmm. All right, Archie. Yes, I'd love it. Oh, these orchids, oh, they're really beyond belief. And you won't even look at them.
2: True, I'm too busy looking at you. Well,
7: how do I look, Archie?
2: Beyond belief, honey, <laughs> beyond belief. Well, there goes the Goodwin Luck again. It's a house phone, partner. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. He wants us to come down. Archie? Yes, dear?
7: Even if he says no, we uh, we still have a date?
2: Honey, though the heavens fall. When we entered the office, Mr. Wolf was frowning over a sheet of letter paper in his hand. He looked up and tossed the paper to me.
3: That is a peculiar thing, Archie. The sheet of letter paper just arrived. Since Miss Ladd is interested in detection, show it to her. Thank you. Well, it's some sort of code,
7: isn't it? Q W E R T Y U I O P. That's all. What do you suppose it means?
3: You're kidding. Archie. Oh.
7: What did I say something wrong?
3: No, 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 no. Miss Ladd, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid I haven't time for an interview just now. Goodbye, Miss Laird. Oh, but Mr. Wolf. Goodbye,
2: I... Archie? Say goodbye to Mr. Wolf and let's go, honey. Goodbye. That's the way things can be around here. Well, here's the door, and shall we, uh. shall we pause for station identification?
7: Hmm? I'll wipe it off, Archie.
2: There. Thanks.
7: What happened, Archie?
2: Yes, indeed.
7: Mr. Wolf, I mean. Oh, why did he suddenly want me to go?
2: Well, I'll tell you, though I don't know whether I should. That that code message he showed you. Yes. Quirky, up.
7: You remember?
2: Yeah, sure. Because I use a typewriter. From left to right, it's the first bank of letters on any typewriter.
7: I see. It was a test.
2: Yeah. And you flunked it, baby. You're no writer.
7: Archie, I I, I can explain. Sure,
2: that. sure, sure. Tonight. Uh...
7: Tonight, Archie. You do believe me, don't you, Archie? Oh,
2: of course, baby, of course.
7: Well, it's just that I was there at the party, I mean, when... when poor Florence was murdered. Then I read in the paper about, well, how they caught the man at Nero Wolfe. And I always wanted to be a writer, so I thought if I could get an exclusive interview and... well... That would be a good way to start my career, wouldn't it?
2: Yes, yes, it would. Uh, pardon me a second, will you, Valerie? I've got to make a phone call. There's a booth that will only take a minute or two. speaking? Archie, I'm at the Riviera with Valerie Ladd.
3: I'm happy for you, Archie.
2: I will remind you that I have not seen you
4: since Valerie left the house.
3: I was otherwise occupied, Archie. With Orchid. With Orchid. What do you want, Archie?
4: Look, with that typewriter gag, you practically told
2: me she was a phony,
3: didn't you? Of course, of course. Just for the record, how did you know? Have you looked at her fingernails? She never touched a typewriter in her life. I wanted to be sure.
4: Okay, now, Now, do
3: you want me to tell you something? You mean that your charming companion, Valerie, was at the party when Mrs. March was murdered? How did you know
4: that?
3: Simple, Archie. I got a list of the guests from Inspector Kramer. Among them was the name of Valerie Ladway. Simple? Ladway. Lad.
4: Yeah, sure. Okay, what am I supposed to do about it?
3: Just hang on, Archie. Just hang on. (coughs)
2: I went back to the honey blonde, the beautiful, phony Valerie Ladd, Ladway. I mean, I went back to the table where she should have been, but she wasn't there. I sat down and waited. Looked at my watch, 11.24. 11.32, no Miss Ladway. 11.45, I finally realized that not only Valerie, but her coat and bag were also absent. I called the waiter. Yes, sir. Uh, what happened to my friend?
4: The young lady left some time ago, sir.
2: Okay, give me the bill. She paid it, sir. She did?
4: Yes, sir. In fact, she said you gave her the money for it.
2: Yeah? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, I didn't know it, but she is certainly right.
3: Oh. Oh. Well, Archie, this is most thoughtless of you.
2: Sorry, I, uh... I lost my keys. My money, too.
3: Your keys, Archie?
2: Yeah. Glad you were still up.
3: You lost Miss Ladway, too?
2: Definitely. I'm going to bed.
3: Good night, Archie.
2: You think it's funny, don't you?
3: <laughs> yes, Archie. Yes, yes, I
4: do. Good night, Mr. Wolf. Archie. Yeah?
3: Before you retire, one thing. What? Open the safe, will you? And leave it open. Why? because there's nothing in it of importance, and it's a valuable safe, and I don't want it damaged. Good night, Archie.
2: At about 2 o'clock in the morning, I thought I heard a noise. I got up, put on the rest of my pajamas, picked up my gun, and went down to the office. The man had his head in the safe, and everything was scattered all over. I stepped inside the door. Put your hands behind your back and stand up.
4: Huh? Okay.
2: Now, just what are you after, bud? When I woke up, I was alone on the office floor. I did not feel good. The place looked as if a hurricane had struck it. Every file drawer had been emptied. I felt a draft from somewhere. Got to my feet, trying not to joggle my head too much. There was a the front door standing open. I closed it gently. And very, very gently, I groped my way to the kitchen for ice, water, and towels. Archie! What? Oh, didn't you hear me scream?
3: No. Is it bad? It's better. You're angry, aren't you?
2: Nuts. What, Archie? I said nuts, Mr. Wolf. nuts.
3: I'm sorry about what happened.
2: Yeah, you expected it.
3: But I didn't expect you to be caught by somebody behind you. You must have known there would have been two of them. Now, how would I know that? How? Think of Mr. Ladway's delicate hands. Do you believe she intended to open the safe herself?
2: You think she stole my keys and so on. Well, let me tell you... Hey, wait. That guy was digging in the safe that... Then who hit me in the head?
3: Ah, <laughs> oh, gee, someday you'll be the deaf of me. In the morning, will you tell Inspector Kramer I'd like to see him here?
2: Fuming and protesting, Kramer arrived about 1.30. When I let him into the office, Mr. Wolf was gazing thoughtfully at the ground floor plan of the house of the late Mrs. Florence Avery March. We'd gotten it from the original architects. Wolf looked up and almost smiled.
3: Thank you for coming to me, Inspector. You know how difficult it is for me to come to you.
5: Okay, okay, what's up?
3: I take it you haven't found the diamonds?
5: No, not yet. We'll break inch down, though. Don't think we won't.
3: Oh, I'm sure. But this is what I want to ask you, and it's quite serious.
5: Okay, okay. All right. What?
3: After the body was found, your men arrived at the house before anyone left. Right. And before anybody was allowed to go, every person was searched thoroughly.
5: Nobody could have gotten a pin or a needle out of that place.
3: I know something about police methods, and I believe you Now, how thoroughly did you search the house itself?
5: Wolf, look. We've got that floor plan you're studying now. There are no hidden closets. Every square inch of that house has been examined. The diamonds aren't there. Willie Inch killed the dame and snatched the diamonds. What he did with them, we'll find out.
3: Possibly, possibly. Goodbye, Inspector.
2: At approximately 3.15, the postman arrived with an envelope for me. The envelope contained my keys, the bill from the Riviera, and the money left after the check was paid. At approximately 5.07 p.m., I discovered that Wolf had been using the telephone all by himself. He explained. He was going to have a party. He had invited all of the guests who were at Mrs. Florence Avery March's somewhat fatal party, including Anson Stark, Willie Inch, and Valver. Nero Wolfe, the natural-born ham, he made an entrance that would have been worthy of Queen Victoria in her heavier days. He sat in his oversized throne behind his oversized desk and beamed at the peasants. Valerie moved toward me.
7: I'm I'm sorry, Archie, but you must know why I did it. Why? Well, you said I wasn't a writer. I wanted to prove that you weren't a detective.
2: Did you take the stuff while we were dancing?
7: I could have, couldn't I?
2: You could have bumped me on the head last night, too, couldn't you? Watch. Oh, Let it go. It was humiliating, though.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you realize the purpose of this party. We want to know who killed Mrs. March and what became of her diamond. Mr. Inch. Uh, yeah? When you visited the room where the body was found, the room was dark?
4: Uh, the bulb was burned out. I tried to turn it on. If
3: there had been a body on the bed, would you have seen it? Maybe. With all those coats, maybe not. Sure. Mr. Stark?
6: Yes, I said the light was on. Perhaps I was wrong. What of it?
3: You're engaged in the manufacture of tubes for radio and television, huh?
6: I told you that.
3: Inspector Kramer. Yeah, what? A light bulb was found in the wastebasket in the room where Mrs. March died.
5: Yeah. Like you said, we tried the bulb in the socket and it worked. So what?
3: One more question. Does anybody remember whether Mr. Stark was carrying a bundle or a package... Under his arm when he arrived at Mrs. March's party. Oh, I do, Mr. Wolf. I think he had a box of flowers.
6: That's true. I did bring flowers.
3: No, Mr. Stark. That box contained two parts of a light bulb and some adhesive. During the party, you strangled Mrs. March, put the diamonds into the light bulb, assembled the thing, and screwed it into the lamp socket. Archie, stop him! Really, Archie, it was quite simple. Light bulbs are only a stem, glass bowl, and a brass sheath. Yet nobody, including the police, would think of looking inside one. Mister Stark could come back and collect his treasure any time after the excitement had died down. What's the matter, Archie?
6: I got a headache.
3: Valerie Ladd. led me. Poor girl. She and whoever the man was with her must have thought the diamonds were here. That bump on your head will be better in the morning. A bottle of beer, please, Archie.
6: I'm going to bed.
3: <laughs> yeah. Why must you place such confidence in women? Remember what happened to Mark Antony and Samson and Archie Goodwin. <laughs> Good night, Archie. <sighs>
1: You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet.
2: Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. What? Oh, Fritz. Yeah, I thought it was the outside line. Yeah? Yes, thanks. I'll be right down, Fritz. Boss, Mr. Wolf, will you please hurry?
3: You're well aware that it will avail you nothing to hurry me? Why Mr. Mr. be in such a rush today? But the
2: car, it's downstairs waiting. Fritz is all ready.
3: Let him wait. Isn't it enough that I've agreed against my better judgment to leave the comforts of home to go rushing through the crashing traffic of the city? To a dinner. That should be an inducement. Fritz could have prepared a delicious dinner. He has truffles in the pantry. Well, why did you promise Arthur Merle? You
2: didn't have to accept the invitation.
3: Quite so. He's an old friend. Besides, he does set an excellent table. It's just that I don't like the traffic.
2: Traffic? I know why. It's that awful oxygen in the atmosphere outside. It's not the traffic.
3: Archie, you're talking much too much.
2: I know, boss. I'm impatient. Would you mind giving me some slight indication that you intend to move from that chair? Just as soon as I finish this beer... Sure you wouldn't care for half a
3: dozen sandwiches before we go to dinner? If we were going anywhere other than to Arthur Murrow's, I'd agree with you. He's the only person in the world I know of, except myself, of course, who has a poor appreciation and respect for the art of preparing good food.
2: We usually refer to this story as the case of the final page. Under normal circumstances, the last page of a manuscript would be absolutely worthless unless you read all the preceding pages. But in this instance, the final page held the answer to a murder. Without that page, we couldn't arrive at the solution. Actually, we didn't even know the problem. Anyhow, I finally got near a wolf to the lobby of Arthur Merle's apartment building. Going Going up. Up, please. Are
9: you going up, gentlemen?
2: Are
3: you, honey?
9: Certainly. It's my job.
2: Then so are we. After you, boss.
3: When did they install women elevator operators in this building?
7: I've
9: been here for two years. Floor, please.
3: Arthur Merle's apartment, I believe it's 814.
9: That's right. Are you Mr. Wolf? Uh,
2: no. This is Mr. Wolf. I'm Archie Goodwin. Although the name Wolf
3: would be much more appropriate
2: for him than for me. How did you know he was Mr. Wolf?
7: Mr. Merle came in half an hour ago. He mentioned
3: that he was expecting you. You see, Archie, you rush me unnecessarily. We practically preceded him here. And we'll probably have to wait interminably for dinner. I just hate to be late. Arthur Merrill has never been on time in his life. He's no more punctual than any other writer. He's never been known to meet a deadline on time.
7: This is your floor, gentlemen. Arthur Merrill is just down the hall to the right, 814.
3: Uh, Thank you. And uh, by the way, I want to
2: compliment you on your congenial attitude, miss. I'll speak to the management. Oh, thank you, sir. Decent of you. Uh, what's your name, huh? Women are usurping everything. Really cost to live here. Murrow's really in the chips. Every book he
3: writes sells a million copies. Remember the last time we had dinner with Arthur Murrow? I do. Delicious. Mountain Quail shot them himself. Yeah, he's quite a marksman. Archie, such proficiency as Arthur Murrow displayed in hunting is evidence of a wasted life.
2: Sure, he probably never made over $500,000 a year in his whole life.
3: Well, ring again, don't just stand there. Surely he's expecting us. The elevator operator said he was?
2: Yeah, she seemed quite well informed.
3: If I were a judge of women, which I am not, I'd say she has a line on every male in the building.
2: She can get a line on me any she wants.
3: Archie, your insatiable interest in the female seems sometimes to border on the psychopathic.
2: You know a more pleasant way to go crazy? It's strange There's a light on in there. I can see it under the door. Shall I try the door?
3: Sure, so, Thank you. Hmm, am Well, at least we can get in. He may be in the bedroom.
2: Probably in the kitchen.
3: I'll just sit
2: here.
3: <sighs> I must figure out the comforts of my own home. I certainly intend to avail myself of the comforts of Arthur Merle's. Hmm. Very much over decorated.
2: You wouldn't like heaven unless they had orchids and beer.
3: Hmm, not a chair in the place worthy of the name. Well, I'll try that divan while you have a look around.
2: For what?
3: Ah, oh, the mail, of course. Suppose you have a look in the study. Maybe writing. Have a look, my boy. I am exhausted and thirsty. See if he has any. Boss! Vi- Boss! Good heavens, Archie. Don't shout. Uh, uh. I'm coming. It's Arthur Merle.
2: Look. Slumped over his desk. A knife in his back.
3: Yeah. He's quite dead. You haven't touched anything? Certainly
2: not. I've been around long enough to know that.
3: Well, you just call Inspector Kramer at homicide.
2: How long do you think he's been dead? I'd say a half hour.
3: From all appearances, yes. And perhaps only ten minutes.
2: I can't understand it. Why would anyone want to kill Arthur Murrow? Everybody liked him. Nice man, I'd expect such a thing to happen to.
3: The answer is probably a considerable distance from the question,
2: Archie. Inspector Kramer, homicide. Archie one, Inspector. Just a minute, Narrow Wolf wants to speak to you. Oh, no, no. Don't tell me you two have started up
5: something on a night like this. It's ten below zero.
2: I'm sorry. Be our boss.
3: Hello, Inspector. Yes,
5: What is it this time, Wolf? Find a dead body
3: under Grant's (laughs) tomb? I'm sorry you'll forgive any apparent failure to find humor in your little witticism. But I'm at Arthur Merle's apartment. I suggest you come here at once. Seems that Arthur finally met a deadline.
5: So you just walked in here and found Merle dead, huh?
3: We were invited here for dinner. Hmm.
5: Anyone else around when you got here? No. You see anyone, Goodwin? Only the elevator operator who brought us up. Well, Mr. Wolf, since you were in on the ground floor, maybe you've got some ideas.
3: Sorry, Inspector. Had I been able to solve the crime so soon, I would have advised you, Inspector.
5: Yeah. Well, it's obviously murder. Obviously. You knew him well?
3: Quite well.
5: Ever know of his being in any trouble? No. Everybody liked him. Arthur Merle, I felt, didn't have an enemy in the world. Is that so? I don't think anybody pulled this as a little friendly gesture.
3: Don't jump to conclusions, Inspector. That this murder was committed necessarily by an enemy of Merle's. Meaning? It could have been an absolute stranger. A woman? Or a burglar, or a madman, or a crank, or... As far as we know, it could have been anybody in the city, Inspector. Arthur's been dead nearly an hour. And an hour ago, I was in my own home, sitting comfortably in my own big easy chair, drinking a delectable glass of beer.
5: Someone at the door argued. You... Yeah, just a minute. I'll answer that. Mr. Merle? No. Uh, well, is Mr. Merle here? Yes, yeah, he's here.
10: But he's not seeing anyone. Well, he's expecting me. I'm from the Serve Catering Company, ready to serve for four here tonight. Their dinner has been canceled. Oh, but it's been ordered. Breast of guinea hen, cooked in wine and cloves, delicious. It's prepared and waiting. I'm afraid that I must insist on seeing Mr. Merle.
5: Mr. Merle has been murdered. Well,
10: I'm afraid I must... Uh, murdered? Well, oh, my goodness, but... Well, in that case, I...
5: Yes, Good evening.
3: Don't you think you might have taken a bit more time with the fellow, Inspector? Why? You might at least have let him serve the dinner. Guinea, wine, and clove sounded positively, delectably... Look,
5: I've had dinner.
3: I'm afraid you're too busy, Inspector. So busy that you've just passed up an extremely interesting bit of information.
5: What are you talking about, Wolf?
3: He said he was to serve dinner for four. Well? Arthur Merle, Archie, and myself are only three.
5: Well, who else was supposed to be here?
3: A fourth guest who either hasn't arrived yet or who arrived earlier and left.
5: Oh, I see what you mean,
3: Wolf. Good. In that case, I'll leave you to pursue your deductions from that premise. Archie, will you please stay with the inspector and be of any help that you can? As for myself, I'm going back to my own home, which I should never have left in the first place. (music)
5: Okay, that finishes the apartment search, Goodwin. And what have we? Nothing. Except that Merle had over $300 in his pocket. And he was wearing a ring worth a couple of thousand. So it couldn't have been robbery. And I don't think it was premeditated murder. Why not? The weapon. Obviously, if someone had planned on killing Merle, he'd have prepared it better. Used a better weapon than a blunt paper knife. No, as I see it, someone was here before you and Wolf arrived, and for some reason that person found it necessary to kill Merle, and he did it on the spur of the moment. I'm listening. It's obvious. Merle was slumped over his typewriter. The sheet of paper was in it. He'd been working. May I see it? Yeah. Starbreaker.
2: Strange title. Page 189. He was getting well along with his latest mystery. Apparently. Gregory Thorne slipped the paper into his pocket. It was just an ordinary piece of paper, but Gregory knew its value... Used properly. If Greg knew how to use it, it would be worth
5: $100,000. He walked away briskly, and as he... that's all. Yeah, that's all. Must have been writing. No, I'd
2: like to read the rest of it.
5: We didn't find any more of it. Any other ideas? No. At the moment, we seem to be right where the murderer himself left off it. Oh, what is this? Open house?
9: Sorry to be so... oh. Oh, what? I was... I mean, I expected to see Mr. Merle. Is he here? Well, who are you? Cynthia Roberts.
5: He expecting you?
9: Well,
2: no. That is... Okay. Uh,
5: come on in, Miss Roberts. Thank
2: you. Maybe the young lady is trying to say that he didn't have to expect her.
5: Maybe she felt free to call without advance notice, Inspector. Inspector? Uh, I... What did you want to see Mr. Merle about?
2: I...
9: Well, I'm his fiancée. Oh. Had
5: dinner yet, Miss Roberts?
9: Why, yes, I had dinner earlier. Uh, when I... were
5: you last here, Miss Roberts? For...
9: Last night after the theater, Arthur and I were... What's the matter? Is something wrong?
5: I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Miss Roberts, but Arthur Merle was murdered. And you say you hadn't talked to Mr. Merle all evening. Is that right, Miss Roberts? Yes,
8: that's right.
5: You didn't have a date with him tonight? Oh, no. Then why did you come here?
9: I told you we were engaged. I... I just came by, that's all. I see. Any more questions, Inspector?
5: None for the present. How about you, Goodwin? Nope, but maybe Wolf. Yes, I guess under the circumstances, we can't very well leave him out. Go ahead.
9: Oh, Austin, I just can't believe it. Why would anyone want to kill him?
5: That, Miss Roberts, is a question we'd all like to know the answer to.
2: Yeah, Wolfe speaking. Archie, boss, I'm still at Merle's. We haven't found out anything new except that Arthur's fiancé dropped in a few minutes ago.
3: Did she know anything of interest?
2: I don't think so. What
3: does the inspector plan to
2: do about her? Just a minute. He wants to know what you're going to do with her. Well, hold her, of course. He's going to hold her. Let me speak to him. Okay. He wants to talk to you, Inspector. All
5: right. Hello. Inspector, I suggest you let the young lady go. Are you crazy? I haven't got enough suspects in this deal to be letting the hottest one go free.
3: You can't consider her a suspect simply because
5: she knew Arthur. Now, see here, Wolf. If
3: you go around arresting
5: people at random, you'll suddenly be tipping your hand to the real murderer, admitting that you don't have a real clue to go on. And just what do you suggest?
3: Find a motive, Inspector. Find a motive. Then if you stumble on a suspect, you'll have some basis for making an arrest. At the moment, I suggest that you let the girl go and tell Archie to stop wasting his time down there and come home
5: at once.
2: So that's the story, boss. We went over that place with a fine-tooth comb. Nothing. There's not a single suspect. The last person to see Arthur alive was the elevator girl.
3: Correction, Archie. The last person to see Arthur Merle alive was the person who ended his life.
2: Well, I just can't imagine that pretty little elevator gal.
3: You don't solve crimes by imagination, Archie.
2: Then there's Cynthia Roberts, his fiance. You suspect her? Not exactly, but just suppose she did have a motive. Maybe he threw her over. Wouldn't it have been very clever of her to come back to Arthur's apartment after the police arrived, allegedly looking for him?
3: I thought you were the admirer of the Fair to Six, Archie. So far, the best you can do is practically accuse the elevator girl and Arthur's fiance of murder. Well, who else is there?
2: Certainly the fellow who came with the food doesn't count. I repeat, who else is there?
3: The entire population of the city, Archie. Thanks. Well, that's all I get. Oh,
2: well, there was something else. What? This.
3: Page 189
2: of what appears to be Arthur's latest novel. business in his typewriter. As you can see, just started the page.
3: Hmm. Starbreaker. Very interesting. What's the rest of it? It's all we found. What? And there was something missing. Archie. Yes, boss? First thing tomorrow morning, get the address of Mr. Morton, who publishes Arthur's books. Then get over to see him right away.
7: Yes, may I help you?
2: I'd like to see Mr. Morton. Uh, Did you have an appointment? Tell him I'm from Homicide.
7: Uh, Oh, yes, sir. Yes? Uh, Mr. Morton, I know you have someone with you, but uh, there's a gentleman here from the Homicide Bureau. He wants to see
2: you. Tell him I work for Nero Wolf. My name's Goodwin.
7: His name is Goodwin. Send him in. Yes, thank you. You may go right in, sir. The large door to your right.
2: Thanks. Come in, Mr. Goodwin. Come in. I understand you're from Homicide. Not exactly. I'm Nero Wolfe's assistant. We're working with Inspector Kramer. And what can I do for you? You've heard about Arthur Merle. Yes, I received the word when I came in this morning. It was a great shock. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Goodwin. This gentleman is Henry Childs. How do you do, Mr. Childs? Glad to meet you, Mr. Goodwin. You're with Nero Wolfe? I'm his, well, his assistant, Man Friday. Mr. Childs
10: is a publicity agent. He handled all publicity for Arthur Merle. I've not only lost an excellent client, but a very good friend. Do you know Mr. Merle? Yes, I've met him a number of times with Mr. Wolfe. Yes, indeed. Arthur Merle was a great writer and a fine citizen. He'll be missed by millions. Mr. Goodwin, when was the murder discovered? Last night, shortly before dinner. Well, what did the
2: police... I mean, what do you think the motive was? Don't know as yet, Mr. Childs. A little early for that. Well, it's certainly a shame. I, uh, I wanted to ask you a few questions, Mr. Morton. I hope you don't mind, Mr. Child.
10: Oh, no, no, not at all. I was about to leave. I'll run along now,
2: Mr. Morton. Uh,
10: see you again soon, Mr. Child. Good morning, gentlemen.
2: Well, Mr. Goodwin, you did a lot of business with Mr. Merle, Mr. Morton? I published every one of his novels for the past eight years. And you intended to publish his new one, the one he was working on? Yes, we had a contract. The usual agreement between you? Naturally, although I didn't know the story. I was always sure that if Arthur wrote it, it good. Mr. Murrow's name on the novel was a guarantee that it would sell a million copies. You don't know what this last one was about. Haven't the faintest idea. We relied completely on Arthur's judgment. Not even any carbon copies, huh? Eh? Not that I know of. Why? When Mr. Murrow was killed, the only thing missing from his apartment was the novel. The novel? The first 188 pages. All we found of it were a few lines of page 189 in his typewriter. He must have been working on it when the murderer stabbed him. But the rest of it's gone. You mean, Goodwin, the, the novel's gone? Oh, this will cost me a million dollars. Well, it cost Arthur Merle his life. And Arthur Merle dead and is now gone. I can hardly believe it. Well, thank you, Mr. Morton. Oh, I hope I've been of some help, although I I'm sorry quite. you haven't. But we may call on you again. Before it's over, you may be a great help.
3: Here, <laughs> yeah, Wolf speaking. Archie, boss. I just finished with Morton. He doesn't know it discussed his stories with anyone and as far as Morton knows, he never made comments I see. Where do I go from here, boss? See Cynthia Roberts. Oh, then you
8: haven't dismissed the possibility that she may have had something to do with
3: it. Being his fiancee, she probably knows more about Arthur than anyone else. She may know who the fourth guest was to have been last night and she also may know what Merle's novel was about. Right, boss. I'm anxious to know what the novel I personally don't give a hang what the novel was about. What I want to find is someone who does know the story. Because I have a hunch that whoever knows that is the person who killed Arthur Merle.
2: Miss Roberts, I know you want to help us find out who killed Arthur.
9: Oh, yes, of course. I'll do anything.
2: Nero Wolfe and I were invited to have dinner with Arthur Merle last night.
9: Well, I knew he was having friends in for dinner, but I didn't know who they were.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I hoped you'd know whom he invited.
9: No, he didn't tell me.
2: Miss Roberts, we have reason to believe that there was to have been a fourth person there last night. A, A fourth? The caterer came to deliver dinner for four. Now, the fourth party never did show up, or else came earlier and left after Arthur was killed.
9: You mean someone Arthur invited to dinner might have killed him?
2: Maybe.
9: Oh, there's no one that I can think of who bore any ill will toward Arthur. We're
2: convinced that this was done on the spur of the moment. Unpremeditated murder. Arthur Mill suddenly became a threat to someone. Now we've got to find out what the threat was and who was threatened. We'd hoped you could help.
9: I'm sorry.
2: Did he ever discuss his new novel with you?
9: Oh, no. He never talked about his stories until he'd finished them.
2: So his latest mystery contains the answer to an even greater mystery. Unless we find the first, they'll both go unanswered.
3: Morton? Yes? Nero wolf speaking. Oh, yes. Your man, Goodwin, was here to see me. I presume you are interested in seeing Merle's murderer brought to justice? Certainly. Arthur was a close friend of mine. And his death cost you a best, sir, I know. Now, would you be willing to help a bit? Why, yes, if I... I've prepared a statement for the papers. I want you to call the literary editors first thing in the morning. Here's what I want you to tell them. Got a pencil and paper? Huh? And take this down. Quote, Mr. Carlton Morton announced today that the last work of the late Arthur Merle will be published according to schedule. Fortunately, it was Mr. Merle's custom to furnish his publishers with carbon copies of each day's work Consequently, with the major portion of his... Boss! Boss! Good heaven, R.G., please don't be so
2: loud. Look here, in this morning's paper, why, that rat, he lied to me, that... that what on earth are you talking about? That publisher, Morton, he said he didn't have copies of Merle's manuscript, that he didn't know what it was about. And, l- and listen to this. Mr. Carlton Morton announced today that the last work of the late Arthur Murrow will be published according to schedule. Fortunately, it was Mr. Merle's custom to furnish his publisher with carbon copies of each day's work. Consequently, with a major portion of his latest work, Starbreaker, in the hands of his publisher, together with a complete synopsis, including the denouement, it will be possible for a ghostwriter to complete the novel. It will be published posthumously
3: in proceeds with... Boss, did you hear that? I did, and it couldn't have been more to my liking if I'd written it myself. Now, excuse me. I want to make a telephone call. Who? Publisher Morton.
2: Yeah, I'm beginning to see. He lied about the whole
3: thing. I still don't see why he'd kill Merle. Hello, Mr. Morton. This is Nero Wolf. Yes, perfect. Now I'll call Kramer and he and Archie will be waiting for you. Remember now, if anything comes of it, you are to say the manuscript is in the safe in your home and you steer the party here. Say you've recently rented this place. I hope we'll be seeing him. Yes. Goodbye. Oh, and be careful. Remember what happened to Arthur. The manuscript is in my desk in the middle drawer. What the. You mean. Archie, look out of that window. Huh?
2: Yeah?
3: Out there is a city of some five million people. In that five million, there is one who murdered Arthur Merle. Now, we don't know who it is, so we can't go out and put a finger on him. But, Archie, since we can't go to him. They have only one of the joys, make him come to us.
5: Will you tell me why we're
2: sitting here in the dark in Wolf's office? Yes, Inspector Kramer. Mr. Wolf promised us a caller.
5: Mr. Morton is to pretend that he's rented this place recently. Well, who's the caller?
3: I'll tell you
5: until he or she gets here. You seem certain he'll come. I'm quite certain. I'm just hopeful. You trying to tell me that Morton killed Merle? You're almost as dense as
3: Archie was. No, Morton didn't do it.
2: Unless Mr. Wolf is very wrong, which is doubtful. Before the night is over, Morton will know who did. Then it won't be long until we know,
5: too. Now you should get on a quiz program. You're so good at guessing games. Shh.
3: Listen, someone's coming. A brilliant deduction, my dear Creamer. I hope there are two of them. Inspector, behind these drapes. Quick, I'll get behind the screen.
10: All right, Mr. Morton. So far, you've been very cooperative. Just keep it up. I have no intention of doing otherwise gun has me completely convinced, Mr. Childs. Get the manuscript. Uh, yes, just a moment. It's in my desk. Wait a minute. I thought you said it was in the safe. A mistake, Mr. Childs. I don't have a safe. Shall I get the manuscript? Yes, but no tricks. You be careful. I'm being exceedingly careful, Mr. Childs. There you are. Oh. Starbreaker by Arthur Merle. Yes, this is it. Thank you, Mr. Morton. Now, I trust that's all you want of me? I'm sorry. I wish that were true. Unfortunately, you see, it's not the actual novel that I want. Oh? My interest in this copy is the same as it was in the original. And that is? That no one should ever learn the content. I take it you know what it's about, then? Yes. You see, Mr. Murrow made the mistake of telling me when I called a bit early at his apartment for dinner last. The story must be kept secret. Why? Most of you people in the publishing business know me as a public relations and publicity agent for several prominent writers. Yes? Actually, I've been as successful as I might in this business. Because a few years ago, I stumbled onto a very neat and foolproof method of blackmail. Unfortunately, Arthur Merle thought of the same thing and based this story on it. If it got out, I'd be exposed and sent to prison. So he can see why I had to stop it, why I had to kill Arthur, and why... Now I'll have to kill you, too. Oh, child, for heaven's sake... The contents of these pages condemn me. You know what's in them. Further, I've confessed the murder to you... You don't think I could let you live after that, do you? Charles, you're insane. I'm sorry that I must repay you for your trouble in such an ungrateful manner. I'm sorry to do this to I'm you.
2: Sorry, Charles,
5: please, no! <laughs> sorry,
2: Mr. Charles, it wasn't time to ask you to drop the
5: gun. All right, Mr. Charles, get your hands up and stay where you are. Ah, nice going, Mr. Morton. Who are you?
3: That took courage, Mr. Morton. Sorry we had to wait so long, but we had to make Mr. Charles here convict himself. Convict
5: what do you mean? We've been waiting here for you, behind the drapes all the time. We heard every word. Mr. Childs, you're under arrest. Police?
3: Yes, Mr. Childs. Only one person could have been so anxious over a copy of that novel. That's the person who killed Arthur Merle for the original. And we heard you confess to that.
5: And that's all we need to convict you. We didn't have any proof,
2: so we set it up for you to make a second try to cover up for the first. Fortunately, the setup worked. Setup?
3: Take a look at the rest of the manuscript, Mr. Giles. What?
2: All the front pages are all right, but look at the rest. What? Oh, blank.
10: They're just blank pages. You didn't have a copy at all.
3: No, but we certainly got a murderer. Ainsbreaker, Giles, Giles, stop, Giles, stop!
2: Well, that's one way to avoid standing trial.
3: Well, Archie, I am glad you and Kramer got trials. Some beer, please.
2: That was a clever scheme, boss, making him think there was a copy.
3: Yes. In a way, though, I wish it hadn't been just a scheme. Meaning? I wish there had been a copy of the Merle's novel.
2: Why? You never read detective stories?
3: No, but I've drummed up so much curiosity over this one. I'd like to know exactly what that blackmail gimmick really was. Good night, Archie.
1: Ah. you have been listening to the new adventures of nero wolf starring sydney green
0: all righty you majestic people that are my listeners i hope you enjoyed both episodes the final page (laughs) the amount of repair work on this baby, it's making me blush. So many pops and clicks, but also, warbles and wobbles that totally ruin the audio, but completely repaired. So, you lovelies were able to keep your eardrums completely intact. I hope you enjoyed it, mates. The episodes, not specifically that your eardrums are intact, but that's a plus. Now, because people are awesome and lovely, I have Patreon supporters to thank. And before I start, you can be one by visiting patreon.com forward slash sfgt and throw a cup of tea my way, via donations not physically, and support the show. It all goes back into production. Firstly, I want to thank the legendary Hall of Famer that is Maya, a long-time supporter that has given so much to this podcast that I'll find a way to forever include them in my thank yous. Cheers, you legend, and thank you for your kind support over these years. And now... For my two white tea warlords, my brilliant Leza Balzuka blasting onto my Patreon, thanks to you Leza, I've been creating my own music, Gasp, yes, I can do that, and now it's possible thanks to your support. I've been using audio loops of acoustic guitars, lo-fi beats and so much more to create the mood for stories, but also for the whole show. I'm also working on a new intro, so we'll see how that goes. All possible thanks to your lovely and amazingly epic self. And the superstar that is Paige Kramer, a guru of kindness and a sage of a person. Thank you for your support and with your donations, they've gone straight into some more plugins to sharpen my audio up. Predominantly cutting out lower frequency sounds for that crisper and clearer sound. You know, so I sound even clearer to everyone's ears. You are a legend, Paige, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Now, for my amazing Earl Grain Forces, I am lucky to have, like all my Patreons, Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Pizza Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, and Sulstra, and my remaining awesome supporters, Catherine Mason and Sunshine Days. Thank you all for listening, you loveliest of people. Now, write your story, share your tale, make it creepy or something silly about a snail, but remember that little tremor that crawls up your spine or the tingle that makes you smile from a perfect plot line. That's the magic of storytelling. Like tea, it's divine. You took the time to listen to me, and you think that it was your treat. But I thank you, my friends, for the listen. And as always, till next we meet.